Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. You know, as I said, you know, um, uh, the Lord really dropped these, th- this series of messages into my heart, uh, and really it's three critical things that we need to embrace as a church so that we can be the church that God wants us to be. But, you know, when I, when I say that, uh, I don't want to communicate in any way that we're not a great church and we're not a great body of believers because by the grace of God and by the goodness of God and only by His grace, I would say we are. Uh, I, when I look around this church, I see just so many wonderful people that love God, that are willing to serve God, that, are, that, that love others. And, and so that being said, you know, um, uh, uh, we're, we're a great church, but, but that doesn't mean we've arrived yet. How many of you realize you just don't arrive yet when it comes to God? It's a constant progression. There's a constant growth that needs to take place. There's spiritual growth that needs to take place in us. How many of you realize you haven't arrived yet, right? So individually and collectively, we need to grow spiritually. Not only that, but there is a oneness in, as us as a body of believers that needs to take place. We all know each other, and uh, you know, we all consider each other friends, and we have prayer requests, and we're praying and believing for each other. But you know, when I look at the church in the book of Acts, I see a oneness there where they're almost, I mean, they're family. They are literally family. Uh, and so there's a oneness that needs to develop, that we need to grow in, and every body of believers needs to grow in. Um, um, there, you know, we need to grow in our capacity and willingness to serve. Now, I will tell you, we have got a great group of people here that love to serve, but, you know, I think growing in the ability to understand what our real gift is and how we can use that for the kingdom of God, there's growth there. Uh, there's growth in the natural aspects of what we need to do here. How many of you realize, naturally, as a church, we need to finish and complete that building over there and, and turn that into something that can be usable for the kingdom of God? That's something that God's laid on our hearts, so we need to do that. Uh, and there's really growth at the end of the day in our influence for the kingdom. You know, the Bible tells us that when, when Jesus, you know, Jesus tells the story of the, the, the talents, and, you know, one was given two, one was given five, and one was given ten, or maybe one. I, I can't remember the numbers. I should know that. I'm a pastor, but um, I have to go look it up again. But each was given a different amount, right? And, and each was given that different amount, and, and, and two of them increased that amount, and one of them didn't. And the Lord frowned upon the one that didn't grow what they had. And so there is growth in numbers and influence that we should be believing God for as a church. And we should be expecting these seats around us to be filled. Not, not so we can say we're some great mega church, but so that we're, because we love people. And because God is reaching people through what we do. Amen? So, and so that's important for us. And so the, the work, there is, there is always work to be done. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says this. It says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Notice that verse really tells us this, that we have not arrived yet. You haven't and I haven't. It says we are being built up. So there's a process taking place in us. That word built up means to be erected or restored. Erected or restored. So God is working in us individually, and he's working in us collectively to erect and to build something in us. And so there's work to be done. And then it it says we're being built up into something specific. We're being built up into a spiritual house. A spiritual house. That word house means a dwelling place. A dwelling place. And then that word spiritual means uh, other related to the spirit, not natural. 
So when we're talking about building and growing and what God's doing in us, it's not a natural thing. It's not, you know, although, you know, a product of that could be buildings being enhanced and numbers growing, but it's a spiritual something that God wants to do in us and grow in us so that we can be a dwelling place for something. Now, some people would say the something that that dwelling place needs to be is God, and I would say that is the goal. The goal is to be a dwelling place for God. But as I thought about that being a dwelling place for God, because, you know, I have preached over the last year about hungering for miracles and hungering for the manifested presence of God in our midst and us desiring all those things. And I thought about us being a dwelling place again for God to dwell so that when people show up, it is evident that He is here. As I thought about that, I heard the Holy Spirit say these words to me. The quality of the things that make up the house are what attracts the inhabitants to live there. The quality of the thing that makes up the house are what attracts the inhabitant to live there. As I thought about that for a moment, I thought really about the example of house shopping. How many of you, how many of you are, have shopped for a house or an apartment or something in your life to live in? How many of you look for that? Uh, so think about this for a minute. When you're, when you're shopping for a house, what do you look at? You look at the decor that's in the house. You look at the floor plan. You look at the paint color. You look at the landscaping. You ask the question, you know, you, you, you even have a wish list. Is it brick or siding? Is it an open floor plan? Is there central air? You know, is it, you know all of those things we consider. And once we get what we are satisfied with, we become the inhabitant of that house right? Uh, and so as I think about that, I think about, you know, that statement, the quality of the things that make up the house or it would attract the inhabitant to live there. And so as I think about it, it's really no different with God. If we want the manifested presence of God in our midst, then the quality of what's going on here through what we do and what we believe and what we care about needs to be the things that God wants them to be, Right? How many of you realize there's a difference in presence and, uh, and being somewhere and being recognized that you're there? It's the difference in the presence of God and the manifested presence of God. How many, you know, the, the scripture tells us that you know, if we come together in his name, he's here in the midst of us. How many of you realize Jesus is here right now? So that's, that's a fact. His presence is here. But there's a difference in his presence being here and his presence being manifest. Let me, let me explain it to you. Um, let me see if I can find Kevin, stand up. Kevin, stand up. Kevin just manifested his presence. We're all looking at him, right? You, you, can, you can be seated, Kevin. Now, you may, not have, you may not have recognized Kevin before we started this service, but he was here. And so when we talk about the manifested presence of God, when we want to we be a place where it is evident and we, are, we, we, we leave here, He is here, then the quality of what is here must be the things that attract Him to want to inhabit a place like this. Right? To manifest in a place like this. And so this, in this series, I'm going to talk about three values that will help us embody the things that welcome and magnify the manifested presence of God. 
you know, and so it's, it's, there's a little bit of vision shaping here, a little bit of casting the vision for our church. You know, we talk about our vision, and I talk about it every Sunday morning as we welcome people. Our vision is to be a place where we meet friends, worship God, hear the word, and be a blessing. And we believe, I believe, I believe that if we actually do those four things, because the Lord's laid those on my heart as our, as our focus areas, that if we do those things effectively, we will be an ever-growing church where we see regular commitments to Christ and where we see a, a, a flow of income coming into our church so that we can give it back out to the world around us and support stateside and overseas missions and this gospel of the kingdom can be preached in all the world and then the end can come and Jesus can come back. Amen? I believe that's what our vision will produce. But here's the thing for me. If our values that I'm going to be talking about aren't embraced in what we do to be a church that meets friends, worship gods, and hear the word, if we don't embrace these values as this is my DNA, this is who I am, then all we're going to be doing to try to meet friends, putting up friends boards, doing everything to try and encourage people to get behind the vision, right? If, if we don't embrace these three values, then all, all of those things are going to be are nothing but simple, uh, uh, just a bunch of works that, that are hard, and, and we have to strive to make them be a part of who we are. But when we, but when, and so for, you, for me, I don't know about you, but I don't want to strive to build something for God. I want Him to build something through me and through us. I don't want us to one day stand before him and say, look what we did for you. No, I want to stand before him one day and say, look what you did through us. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want it to be about grace. I want it to be about him. See, because Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What that says there is this, is that if, if you're doing the work, it's vain. But if he's doing the work through you, then something great and, and meaningful for the kingdom of God can be accomplished. And so I think of it sort of like this. I want God's, I want Grace Family to Church to be a home that God has custom built. Instead of Grace Family Church being a home that we stick built for him and said, come on and join us, Jesus. That's a big difference. And I honestly believe as the Spirit of God spoke that to my heart, that the quality of what's in the house determines who the inhabitant of the house will be. When he gave me these three simple values, there are three simple things, and I will tell you, you know, all, many times you don't need to hear, you seek God for hours. Many times in a moment God can speak a word to you. And he spoke these three simple values to my heart. And these three simple values are the things that I believe we should be embracing as individuals, as a church, but as individuals. And as we collectively make this, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. It will drive the meeting friends because we'll love each other. We'll want to be spend time together. Not because we put up a board or we have to, to fulfill a part of our vision, but because we just like doing it, right? We'll, we'll come in and our worship won't be because we fabricated some sort of worship set, it's because whether we have one person playing a piano or 25 instruments up here, we're coming in because we, man, we love Jesus and we want to worship him, right? We'll want to hear his word when we get to this point of the message, not because, well, I got to hear it, but man, there's, I, there's truth that, that's available for me and I'm drawing on the pastor because I want to hear what God wants to say to me, amen? 
And not only that, but when a call for serving and helping takes place, like we already do and very much, uh, we do a good job in this one, I think, we, we'll rise to the occasion and be like, that's who I am. I'm, I'm made to serve. I want to serve. Not, oh, man, I'd rather sit home and watch a ball game. Right? I mean, so, and not to say that that won't happen at times because we're human, but the reality is, is that's what God has called us to do, be. And so I want this church in our lives to be humbly submitted with reverence and awe as we allow him to shape and mold us. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that's a separate message in and of itself, fear and trembling. Um, many times we think, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of God, but there should be an awe of God. That's a whole other message. But work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is, notice this, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Notice that God wants to will and do his good pleasure in us. So I want our lives and our church to be a, a, a mindset that says, God, I humbly submit myself to you. Do and have your way in me. Amen? And so I want to talk about these three values. What are these three values that I believe God has dropped into my heart that should be the values of our church? These values will determine the culture of our church. And they're very simple. They're very, very simple. They're not going to be earth-shattering. It's simply this. Number one, and I'm going to give you all of them up front, then we're going to talk about them over the coming weeks. Number one, we love God with all of our hearts. That should be a value of this church. Everything we do should be centered around an expression of I love God with all of my heart. Number two, we value others like God does. Everybody matters. Every single person sitting here this morning, every single person that walks through the doors or pulls on here, every single person matters to God, and we value them because of that. That needs to be one of our core values as a church. Number three, we use our gifts to serve him. That is very simple, but if we'll embrace, I, I just, the, the Spirit of God dropped these in my heart, so I know it'll work. <laughs> I don't even have to, I don't even have to, I don't even have to try it, walk it out. I know this will work, and, and I, because he spoke it to me as the pastor of this church. If we will make a conscious effort to embrace these three values so that they permeate everything we think about, everything we do, we will effectively grow into the house God wants us to be. And it's simply this again, I'll say it again, we love God with all of our hearts. We value others as much as God does. And we use our gifts to serve. So today I want to just talk to you about the first one. And I'll probably take a couple weeks on this one. I want to talk to you about loving God with all your heart. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Notice that not only is our value as a church to love God with all of our heart, but the first and great commandment is simply to do that. It's to love God. As I think about this verse, though, in loving God with all of our hearts, I don't believe God wants that to be a commandment, so to speak, or as, as if it's an obligation we have to fulfill. Could you imagine 
being married to someone who is trying to love you, but it's not an outflow of their heart. See, the first great commandment is to love God with all your heart, but I don't think God, he meant it as a commandment, I, although it is a commandment. I think he meant it more as it should be an outflow of who you are. We want it to be a, 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 a product of something because it's something within us. I want our love for God as a church to be the same sentiment that David expressed in Psalm 84. Notice what he said here. He said, my soul longs. Yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. To love God with all your heart means that He is the priority in your life, that His kingdom is the priority in your life, that His service and worship is the priority. Everything about Him is the priority in your life. Now listen, I, I talk about that, but that is a very profound thing to think about in your life. Is He the priority? Are there things you would choose over Him? We are to love God with all of our heart, and our expression of loving God with all of our heart should be this outcry of everything within me. It should be something real within us. But as I think about that, as I thought about that, and as I thought about in times in my life where that maybe wasn't the case, you know, and I'm not talking about just, you know, being so radical that you, you, you don't, enjoy a football game or you don't go on. I'm not talking about getting that, right? But I'm talking about him being the priority. <laughs> right? But as I thought about him being the priority in our life, I thought about, you know, that, the fact that that's not something you can muster up. That's not something that God wants you to grit your teeth <laughs> and try to do. And it's also not some mystical thing that ebbs and flows and wanes and goes away that we can't determine. There is a practical thing, and there are practical things that will produce that kind of passionate love. And that's really what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about putting your head to the nose to the grindstone and loving God. I'm talking about a passionate love for God and the things of God. I'm talking about a heart that says, as that verse said, my heart and my soul cry out for him. As Paul said in Philippians, you know, to know him. May that be the cry of our heart. And as I was thinking about that and the practicality of that and what experience in my life has shown me, I recognize something, and it's this. You cannot fall in love with someone you don't spend time with and you can't fall in, some, in love with someone you don't surrender to. You cannot fall in love with someone you don't spend time with, and you cannot fall in love with someone you don't surrender to. Now, i got to tell you, the first part of that verse did not come from a moment of inspiration before the Holy Spirit. I had a friend uh, that said it. It was profound. It stuck with me. There was, a, there was a friend, a business friend I had that was, it was a young lady and, 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 uh, and she, was, uh, she was looking for somebody to date or whatever and, and we were talking about, you know, the right way to go about finding you know, the right person and she made a statement that her mom told her, you know, because she said, I don't want to fall in love with the wrong person because how many of you realize you can fall in love with the wrong person if you spend time with them, Right? And so I don't want to fall in love with the wrong person. And her mom told her, she said, honey, you can't fall in love with somebody you don't spend time with. Right? 
You don't spend time with him, you can't fall in love with him. Same thing with Jesus. You can't fall in love with Jesus if you don't spend time with him. I mean, real passionate love requires the investment of time, attention, and surrendering to the love of the other. If two lovers never initially spent time with each other, they would never have fallen in love with each other. At the same, po at the same point, they had to surrender their reservations to the love of the other as well. There came a point in that relationship where they had to say, you know what, I'm surrendering to your love. I'm giving up. You're all I want. You have to surrender to have that kind of passionate love. Loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind is the very same way. You have to spend time with Him and you have to surrender to His love. As a matter of fact, you cannot love Him until you do surrender and allow Him to love you. See, a lot of people have it backwards. They're trying to love God. They're trying to love God. And He's saying, all I want you to do is let me love you. Natural Love and affection for him will come from that if you'll allow him to. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. When we surrender to his love and we discover his love by allowing his love to flood our lives, that's when real passionate love for him develops in us. The level of your passion, this is really important, the level of your passion of God will be directly proportionate to the depth of your surrender to Him. Some of these things are in blue because I really felt like the Lord wanted me to stress them. I think this one was one from the Holy Spirit, not just your pastor. The level of your passion for God will be directly proportionate to the depth of your surrender to Him. If you hold back areas of your life for him, you will not be as passionate for him as you know you should be. And we'll get into this some next week when we talk about this. You know, there are, there are areas of our life that just require us to stop. <laughs> that just require us to surrender and say, I want you more than I want that. And we'll talk about that next week. But the reality is, is you can't love passionately until you completely open up and fully receive from him. Receive from him. That word receive means to open up and take it in. You know, the psalmist said, open wide your mouth. He actually was God prophesying through the psalmist. He said, open wide your mouth and I'll fill it. See, there comes a point of vulnerability we have to have with God where it says, I am letting down all of my inhibitions, all of my vulnerability, all that I want to hold on to, all that I want to hang on to. I am letting it go, God, and I am giving myself wholly to your love. And the level to which we have that surrender in our life is the level to which he'll make himself real to us. When we apply that application to our lives, he fills our life. When we apply that application to our worship, he fills our worship. When we surrender, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if somebody uh, might think something of me if I weep or I kneel or if I raise my hand. I'm going to abandon myself to you, Lord, because I love you more than anything else. We cannot love God passionately until we completely open up and fully receive from him. And the mistake most people make in surrendering to his love is failing to realize that he is trying to get through to you. <laughs> they fail to realize he's pursuing us. See, when we talk about loving God, you know, a lot of people, they, we, we, I've been through dry seasons in my life. 
but we're searching for Him. We're looking for Him. We're grasping for Him. Oh, you know, they see their relationship with God as some sort of pilgrim's progress of trying to find God, some hidden mystical God. When the reality is, is He is right there at the door trying to find you. When we open the Word, we're digging for a hidden treasure instead of just opening it up and relaxing and reading it and waiting for Him to show us something. When we need healing, we're reaching out and begging for it instead of just receiving it. When we feel distant from Him, we wonder about what we need to do to get back to Him when all along He's right there. The reality is this morning is this, when we talk about loving God with all your heart, it's as simple as opening up to a God that's been drawing you every moment you've ever breathed. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. That word drawn means to pull out or to encourage, or I really like this one, to woo. You ever heard somebody, they're wooing someone? See, the reality is this morning is, is if you want a passionate love for God, all it takes is you to surrender to what He's already been trying to do in your life. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been wooing you long before you ever conceived. Wooing you through the beauty of His creation that He spoke, when He spoke it into existence, the moment He spoke it into existence, billions of years ago. Wooing you through hundreds of promises and prophecies of a loving and a coming Savior. Wooing you through the warnings in His law to keep you from harm and to point to a coming Savior that would save us from our sins. Wooing you through coming to die for our actual sins. Wooing you in the love He expressed as He ministered on the earth. Wooing you as He hung upon a cross and passionately suffered. Wooing you as he spent a day and a night and another day to follow in the belly of hell being judged for your sin. Wooing you through the multiple times he's delivered you and brought you through. Wooing you through the, the beauty and blessing of everything that surrounds your life right now as Shannon talked about that. How many blessings do we have in our life right now and yet we're grasping for Him instead of looking at what He's done and just submitting and succumbing to the beauty that surrounds our lives? You say, my life really sucks right now. There are good things. You're here this morning. You're still breathing. There's another day to dawn. I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. They're good and not for evil to give you a hope and an expected end. There are good things to rejoice in. And he's even wooing you in this moment as you sense the Holy Spirit here if he's dealing with your heart this morning. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. I read this verse several weeks ago and, you know, it was an eye-opener for me. This verse is to the church. We often read this verse as a salvation call for the lost. But this verse is actually written to the church. So I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to hear these words because this is what the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Can you hear him knocking this morning? Can you see him pressed against the window pane of your life saying, will you let me into that area? You may have let him into some areas. Will you let me into that area? Will you lay it before me in vulnerability as ugly as it might be to say, let me say I love you in spite of it and want to heal you in spite of it? You see, it's only when we surrender to his knocking that we allow him to come in. Musicians, if you'll make your way to the front this morning. See, there are things that we need to grow in our relationship with God, but passionately seeking him only comes first by being loved by him. For me, I want our church to be a church that loves God with all of our hearts. Not because we're trying or straining at it, but because we have surrendered to his love. As I thought about this service and I thought about what to share. I wanted to go deeper and get profound and, you know, cut up scriptures and cause you to go, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I really felt like the Lord was just saying one word to us today, and it's the word surrender. Will you surrender? You say, well, I'm already a Christian. I've already given my life to Jesus. Okay, that's fine. But have you surrendered to him areas of your life? You say, what do I mean? I, I'm not, maybe, not, maybe it's not sinful. Maybe it's just your reservation. Have you, are you willing? Are you willing to give him 100% of you, no matter what, in our worship and what we do? Are you willing to give him all of your heart? See, Psalm 16 and verse 2 and 5 and 6 says, You are my Lord. All the good things I have come from you. And here's, this, here's the phrase. You, Lord, are all I have. <laughs> now, I got to tell you, the psalmist, when he wrote that, he had a whole lot more than that. He had a lot of things in his life. <laughs> he had riches. He was the king. He had a whole kingdom. But he said, Lord, you are all I have. My future is in your hands. How wonderful are your gifts to me. How great they are. The psalmist David had this mindset that all of it doesn't matter. You are all I want. You are all I need. You are all that I crave. I want that to be the value of our church, that we love God with all of our hearts. Passionately love Him. When we do that, something amazing takes place. When we do that... He inhabits the house. When we open up our hearts and allow Him, when we say, Lord, I don't want to do something for you, I want you to do something through me, so just have my life. Here I am, I love you, I give you all of me. When we do that, He inhabits us. Psalm 24 and verse 7 says, Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Let the king of glory enter. 
The King of glory is the one we're talking about submitting our lives to and surrendering our lives to. I can tell you as a pastor, I've served God since I was 18 years old, born again when I was five, spirit-filled when I was 12. At, at, at 18, I committed my life and, uh, to the, the call of ministry and have lived my life for Him ever since then. But I can tell you there are still areas He's working on me in my life. I am not perfect. <laughs> Far from it. But man, even when I fall short, even when I miss the mark, I, I, don't want, I want my heart to be, Lord God, please have your way in me. All of me I give to you this morning, Lord Jesus. Open up and allow him to come in. I want to do that today. Psalm 96, verse 7 and 9 in the Passion and the Amplified says this. It says, surrender to the Lord. All you nations and peoples, surrender him all your pride and strength. Come worship the Lord God wearing the splendor of holiness. Let everyone wait as they tremble in submissive wonder before him. Surrender yourself to him. What do you need to give him today? Is it fear? Is it the control of your life? Maybe you're wrestling and you control it. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the builder. I'm going to be a self-made man. God doesn't want you to be a self-made man. He wants you to be a God-made man. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to surrender my life to him. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.